My buttocks are tense. Rick, rich man, rich man eats his underpants. Rich, rich man eats his... Hey, everybody, welcome to the Irregular Search for Truth. My name's Sachin. And I'm Scott. <laughs> Here we go again. Um, coming at you, episode 40. Unstoppable. We just keep going up. None of our episodes ever get lower in number. Maybe we could do that. We could do like 30.5, 30. We could if they were topically like we feel like this episode really goes with episode 28. Well, it could be like Judge the Commons episode 19. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. <laughs> anyway. It's a long time no see. It's been a while. It's March of 2012. I yes. think our last episode was in uh, 1997. Or, or Might have been before the yeah. internet. I don't yeah. know. Um, we used to pass these out on uh, VHS. I gave them out as flyers. We asked people to read them aloud. There was like transcripts. Like, read this. Yeah. yeah. Anywho. What's going on? Not much. No? I've been really busy with work and stuff like that, so I haven't really been too proactive on scheduling, and I think you've been really busy with uh, yeah, your man. life. Yeah, yeah busy oh. with work. I know what that's all about. <laughs> <laughs> the life of the unemployed. Yeah. I have lots of work, just none of it pays me. Right. It's, not, it's a drag. Well, do what you love. Yeah. That's <laughs> what they say. Maybe. Some people say that. Other people say get rich. What's your take on do what you like? What's your take on when people do? You, do you think like whenever somebody says do what you love, is it sort of like the wrong time and sort of a useless, like not helpful comment? It's like okay, yeah, we get it. Let's move. Is, or is it kind of like a cliche sort of? I, like, I mean, I think I think that to be honest, like that is a key element of uh, human happiness to be doing something that you enjoy. Right. But whether or not that is for your living or not. Well, as and, a piece of advice. Is it even a worthy piece of advice? Oh, so you've got to hear it at some point. Do if you? you? If you never hear it, then, then but I mean, like, you might... I don't know. It just seems like when it comes out, it's just so lame that like nobody would actually say, oh, I should do what I love. Like It seems like the only thing that you'll actually understand once you get there. Yeah, maybe, but I mean, maybe you if you hear it, say you've never heard it, yeah. and then you hear it when you are doing something that sort of makes you miserable, but whatever, it, it pays the bills or something. And you're like, oh my god, I could, you know, do what I love. And it seems like that—that's the exact opposite time you should hear it. Because then you're like, screw that person. Who are you to tell? I mean, like, life is not about doing what you love. You know, it's like I have this horrible job and I can barely make the pills. How am I supposed to go out and do what I enjoy doing? Well, I mean, what is life about? Like, if, is life about making the bills? Kind of, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm saying that like. If you if you do what you hate your entire life, and you have a miserable life, and then you die, but you made every bill payment, right? Was that a life well lived? I mean, obviously not, because you were miserable. Because you were miserable, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I know, but uh, it just seems like I don't think I want. It's just I feel like certain, there's certain advice out there, and this is one of them where it's sort of like when you hear that, you're like, yeah, all right, fine. We right. Get it. Well, we get there's it. Okay. been a lot of advice that like, but here's the thing, like. I think also, I grew up in a uh, I grew up in the Bay Area around San Francisco, California, and there were lots of things that I heard so much growing up that 
I just sort of assumed when I left, like, everybody else would probably have heard okay, these okay, things okay. quite as much as I did. Right. And and it turned out, actually, no. Like, when I was in high school, I sort of thought, because we got so much awareness about diversity and, and that sort of thing, I sort of thought, like, oh, well, I mean, there's not going to be any racism anymore. Right. You know, like, we're all getting past that thing. And then you go out in, you know, outside of this little bubble that that you get sort of, you know, overexposed to certain messages. And it's like, oh, actually, no. Like, so, I mean, yeah, you can be overexposed to any particular message, be it do what you love or. Right. Well, I mean, in that sense, do you think you were almost exposed the right amount to there is, I mean, like, was part of the fact that, like, there is no racism kind of sank into your mind and said, hey, why should I? I'm not going to be racist because racism is dumb and then whatever, right? Like, if somebody, like, boiled into your head or, like, pounded into your head, you know, do what you love, do what you love, do what you love. Like, maybe when you grew up, you're like, wait a minute, I should be doing what I love. This sucks. Why am I doing this? In the same, Are you trying to, like, maybe say that's the kind of the same thing? Well, what I'm saying is if, you know, whether or not a message is trite or uh, or worthwhile or, you know just sort of stupid depends as much on the context as it does on the message itself maybe you know like like if you you know put do what you love at the end of like a crappy uh after school special you know it's like hey kids (laughs) when you you go out there in your life and you're running into opportunities you want to do what you love I actually sounded kind of creepy. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, maybe actually, I don't know. I mean, because because the, the message of do what you love is also sort of nonspecific and open to interpretation. And, and it could mean different things to different people. But I think some messages might be might have value universally independent of context. And I would say like things like sort of the golden rule is is a good one you know it's like do unto others as you would have them do unto you it's like oh you could say oh wow that's so you know overblown but it's actually like that is sort of the basis of morality yeah okay but maybe i mean not to get stuck down this hole but i mean why is that is that better do you think than telling people to do what you love or even that expression i've been stuck in holes before man (laughs) uh is it better then I don't know. I was trying to I was trying to come up with a with sort of a message that that would always be you know of equal value or something, and that was sort of the closest thing I could come up with. Right. It just seems like it's almost like it takes a really sophisticated level of of philosophical understanding, maybe of like kind of like really a lot of reflection for do what you love that to take hold for some people oh, okay whereas like do one to others is just like you know generally speaking that's going to do you well you know whereas like do what you love there's not a lot of examples around there of people doing what they love and then being happy about it i feel like you know people just kind of like treat work as sort of this place that go they mm-hmm. make this money then they come home and they like do what they love at home well but that that fits the advice right it doesn't because you're spending 
a good portion of your day doing something you don't love. Mm. Right? I mean, uh, just because you work But it's supporting the ability to do what you love. <clears throat> yeah, but I think the idea of do what you love is more like to do with your work, isn't it? Normally... Well, I don't know. You're interpreting it beyond the, beyond the words itself. If you say so. I guess I, mean, I, I mean, don't feel like that I would, That would depend on the context, right? I feel like... Because maybe it's like you meet on, you know, a group of people every Saturday and, and they're like, hey guys, we should do what we love. Yeah. And it's a weird cult or something. But No, but sure. Uh, but, I mean, if you're, but if, then it's like every Saturday we do what we love and but it's then, But for the rest of the week you don't do what you love. Right. So but they're not really make, following that rule. Though, but, right? I mean, but you're doing what you do the rest of the week to enable you to have those Saturdays or whatever. I suppose. I mean, I don't. I guess you could look at it that way. I mean, you, you could. Some do. <laughs> do Moving right. right along. All right. All right. <laughs> so we had two two uh, possible subjects queued up, right? Two topics. I'll just do yours first. Yeah. All right. So the topic uh, topic one, or was do what you love topic one. Whatever. Here's a warm up. I Here's, guess yeah. We're getting into the the home stretch here. Uh, maybe not the home stretch. The heart of the order. Um, that was our weak leadoff hitter. He bunted. I don't know if he uh, if he caught in base safely. It was a disputed call. Um, uh, so you're going out to dinner with uh, a group of people, and what I'd like to discuss is both the economics and the social implications of the situation when a you are all splitting the check equally whatever the bill is and b what if you're being treated you know you're being treated right and how does that affect what you choose so the uh what do you order if you talk to like an economist the sort of rational economic model of if you know you are splitting the check is you should order the most expensive thing out of all of them because then you will get like if if there is greater value uh to you for having a more expensive meal you will get a greater value for a cheaper price when it all averages out yeah but i think that that doesn't always work out there there are other factors involved you know sort of social considerations and things like that that this the Chicago man, the rational actor, and and whatever won't uh, always uh, deal with. And so, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. What was the question? So, what I mean, uh, you're going out to dinner with a bunch of people. Do and, I order the most expensive? Thing? Well, and and uh, and you know you're going to split the check. How does that affect the what what you order? Um. Yeah. For me, it doesn't. It doesn't. I guess not I at just, all. Not really. No. I think I would just order whatever I want to. Uh, what about, what if you know you're being treated? If I know I'm being treated, I, I might bump it up a little bit. Really? And also, it depends on who's paying. Really? Well, See, I the would thing say... Is, okay, the treating thing is, there's caveats to that. Because, I mean, I don't get treated usually unless it's work paying. Mm-hmm. And if it's work paying, then who cares? <laughs> <laughs> or, like, for example, a friend of mine was in town recently on business mm-hmm. and we went out to dinner because he was like you know out, you have when you travel to San Francisco or wherever you're traveling to you have to pay for your food and then your company reimburses you and I was you know going out to meet him so it's like first question I asked him was like hey who's paying for this 
He's like, oh, I'll probably pay for it. You know, I'm like, just to, he's like, don't go crazy. And I'm like, I will. <laughs> <laughs> so I so had but any, what if what if it's not work? What if it's a person you're eating with who's treating you? And again, there's there's also like you know options there. It's like, why are they treating me? Right? If it's like they owe me for like helping, like or they're trying to pay me back. Like let's say I helped them move, for example, mm-hmm. or like maybe I lent them my car. I don't know some some reason. Well, I might have a little bit something nicer. Maybe just one level up, or like I'll have a beer. Mm-hmm. Or I'll have an appetizer or something like that. But I'm not gonna. Or, I'm not. It's not like I wouldn't order something that I just wouldn't order normally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't order the lobster, which is like the you know the stereotypical most expensive thing to order. I wouldn't order like the thing that takes like 35 minutes to make and it's like forty dollars instead of the thing that everything on the menu is like 25 and this thing's forty dollars. Yeah. I'm not gonna order that, right? But if it's like a range between, let's say, like. 10 and 20 dollars maybe you know why not 20 or like you know 18 or 15 or whatever it just depends i i guess i am when when i know i'm being treated i'm very conscious of the price of things i'm ordering and i would say that like if i were going out to dinner with like bill gates and he was like hey you know it's on me i'm still not gonna order like as high a a price thing you know like i'm gonna be conscious of the price of the meal and i'm gonna order something that on the menu is in like the lower half of the price spectrum there i guess i I, I, part part of me doesn't even look at the price when i go to a restaurant never i I mean i i wouldn't well i mean you always look because you never like unless unless it's a restaurant you've been to before Right, yeah. but if if you're at a new restaurant, they might be charging you forty dollars for. No, a you're piece right, of and then I might bread. be like, "Why am I here?" But at the same right. time, it's like, "Well, you're here. What are you gonna do? Get up and leave?" You know, and you kind of know. Well, if they charge forty dollars for a piece of bread, yeah, I'd get up and leave. Like, well, I usually look. I mean, these days you look at the menu beforehand. Right, it's not right. like you're so shocked when you walk into a place, right? You kind of glance at them, and it's like, you know what? The difference between this and this is like ten bucks. You mm-hmm. know, we're out here eating. It's it's like whatever you know that, that's that's my feeling on it you know and usually I end up getting something in the middle or even lower part of it because that's just I don't really like more fancy food or like the food that restaurants serve that's really like high end like a high high end cut of beef or a high end like you know piece of fish or something like that it's just not something I would order anyway so I don't really feel that bad about it but I think usually when somebody takes you out to dinner it's because they're trying to like thank you for something right or pay you back mm-hmm. for something. Right? I mean, I guess you have to think about what are the reasons somebody would actually take you out to dinner? Or or say, I'm going to pay for it. I don't know. Maybe they're... I mean, you could be out to dinner celebrating something. Exactly. And then in that in that sense, it's like, well, then let's go for it. We're going to no. celebrate, right? Or like, I mean, okay. Here's, okay, here's... What if, what if... All right. Say you are a freshman in college mm-hmm. and your roommate's parents... Yeah, are in town and they decide to take you out to dinner. I was just, I was about to bring. At the same time, I was like, well, sometimes when my parents, we got to eat with my parents, it's like, well, yeah, they pay. I don't, they're older. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's just what happens, and I'm fine with it. But, like, uh, yeah, you're right. I think if it's, if it's like, you treat it like it's your own money. You know, I don't think I would order any less, but I don't think I would order any more. I'll put it that way, and I will, and maybe you'd match what everybody else gets. Mm-hmm. Like if they order first, and they're like, "Let's get a beer, and let's get three appetizers, and then let's get this over here." You're like, "All right, fine, you know, I'll get that, I'll get that." But I mean, at the same time, I'm not gonna like order something I wouldn't really want just because mm-hmm. like somebody else is paying. Does it? Does that make sense? 
No, I hear you. I mean, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're not. I mean, why would you ever order something you don't want? Well, because because somebody else is paying. Well, oh, so if it were less, the lesser item. Yeah. Well, like I mean, like I said, like I said, if the company's paying, if the company is paying, I will order something I don't want. If we go out, and the company is paying, then I will order a dessert, you know, or I maybe maybe I'll get I'll, I'll encourage somebody to get an appetizer or two. As opposed to like when we go out with friends and stuff, we don't normally get appetizers, or we might get one or just two, or like you know, split one or something like that. Mm. I think I might just bump it up a little bit. Mm. That that that's the only difference. I think that's my answer. What about the uh, what about sort of the strict economic theory when you're when you're I can think, I, I think economists pretend like they have no soul because money has no soul. You know, I mean, they call it the dismal science. I think I mentioned it before because it's like you really see the true motivations of humans, and it's just money, right? It's like, yeah, from an economic point of view, in every situation, in every minute of your life, you should be looking for the economic advantage, right? If you can spend less somewhere, go and do it, right? And if you don't do it, then there's some economic reason you don't do it, right? People are driven by a deal. Well, but but it's I, what I would say is that if you don't do it, it's not that there's it's that there's a reason that you don't do it, but that reason might not have the direct translation into dollars. I mean, you, yeah, you can't you can't necessarily and convert what, convenience what, and, and and emotions into dollars. Well, but, but what economists try and do is is just that. Exactly. Like they'll so, give an example where it's like, well, it might be worth fifty dollars to you yeah. to not have your feelings hurt. Right. And it's like, well, yeah. that's a really big leap. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, the thing is, it's like. Interestingly enough, when you do the math, like you can actually calculate how much it's worth to you, because if you look at like if you for some reason was able were able to collect all the times that you went out to dinner and somebody paid for it, and all the times that you went out to dinner and you paid for it, and you looked at the difference in your spending, then you would say, well, that's how much it costs. That's how much worth Scott puts in his consideration, mm. right? I mean, you could just kind of like collect enough data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and it's like. Well, that's just like a horrible way of looking at life, isn't it? But at the same time, it's like that's what the economist's job is, right? It's like to quantify. I mean, okay, I don't know what an economist's job is, but it seems like they are specialists in finding money or not money, but value or like hidden value in things that we don't consider so that, that we can like, you know, optimize our yeah. lives, you know? Though, I mean, I guess it becomes a problem when, uh, and this is shifting topics a bit, but when... Um, when different people have different relative values. Exactly. And that's, that. that's what the supply and demand curves are, right? I mean, that's some people, like you're going to get a certain amount of people who are going to buy this product at value X, and then a certain amount of people more or less who are going to buy it at Y or Z or whatever it is. Right? And what, what I think, though, is the, the <laughs> interesting issue there is that it doesn't actually mean that the product has a different value to the people. To me, what I see is that actually the dollar has a different value to people. That yeah. corresponding to a supply and demand curve for uh, for a product, there is a supply and demand curve for dollars. You, you could know? say it that way. I mean, because the thing is that person has more dollars to spend. Right. 
right? So it's like, I guess it's like a calibration. Mm -hmm. Because if you just consider, let's say you make $100,000 a year and I make $200,000 a year, my dollars are now worth twice as much as yours. God, I wish I made $100,000 a year. If we were gonna spend the same amount of money, I guess, right? Like if we were gonna both buy the same thing, same things, and we, I would be willing to pay twice as much because right. I have twice the dollars. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's a way of looking at it, I guess. But there's also like, just, I mean, you might be more thrifty in general than I am. Maybe you want to spend more. Maybe you want to save more. Maybe you don't like to go out so much. I mean, I don't know. Speaking of a hundred thousand dollars a year, there's an oil boom in one of the Dakotas, north, north, and uh, you can get a hundred thousand dollar a year job with no experience. I'm like, geez. And North Dakota, North Dakota used to be apparently a very cheap place to live. I'm not yeah. sure about now because of those. This I, mean, hell, I could go work there for eight months and you know come back with a significant portion of uh, of money. That would be pretty Do cool. It. I don't know. Sort of thinking about it to be quite honest. I have some classes to finish up here. But, Do uh, you? I also have a I also have a life. Uh, Just walk away. Yeah, it would be hard to. to I mean, that, walking away is another economic decision that you right. make, right? Yeah. How much? How much would someone have to offer you? But then, you get into questions of like, well, are there things that you cannot put a numerical value on? No. Like, well, what about your life? I think. I mean, that's like I said. That's the point of economics, right? Not the point, but if it's like one of the things that they good at is like finding out where is the line right that's what but it's I mean, kind of like what life insurance is right i mean like if your husband or wife is no longer here what is that life worth to you well but i mean that's not that's not incredibly accurate because the real question then is okay how much do i have to pay you for you to let me kill you right that's and and then it's sort of like well way that doesn't make sense because the payment doesn't have any value when I'm dead. But it has a value to the people who the money is going to go to though, right? Right, but what if there's nobody there? Well, then it, then, then the, the value probably would be really, really, really... It well, would it would be, be irrelevant because, right. yeah, because exactly. you wouldn't get the money, right? Which is exactly the point. Like, there's there are some things that it seems impossible to put a value on. Well, I mean, if you, like, for example, if you've got something, I mean, if An you, exchange value, right? Like, money is an exchange value, right? Yeah. So, like, maybe if you said, I'm going to give this much money to this charity or to somebody else for my life. I mean, that's, does that count? Like, let's say, oh, if, like, if, if, if you could. If you Do you think to, anybody would, like, would take that? Yeah. And maybe, I mean, maybe, like, say, say somebody says, do you soldiers know, do that? we're going to give, well, no, because they, I mean, they go on a combat, like, with a, with a non-economic. I don't know if that's true. Right? There's not a, there's not they're a getting monetary paid, right? value. They're getting, they're getting paid. paid. But they wouldn't but do not if they a monetary, were, they wouldn't do it if they weren't getting paid. I don't know. I mean, they get paid low wages I mean right? lots of people get paid low wages but I mean I think that's what part of what nationalism and patriotism and like and duty and honor and all that stuff like built into that right but if they didn't get paid or if they got paid less I mean they have a problem retaining people like in the army right they, they lowered the requirements for getting into the army now you don't need a high school diploma because they had a hard time recruiting people right so they had to lower all these thresholds but if they paid people more 
people might stay more. People might be more more willing to join the army. Because it's like, yeah, in the end, it's like it's a job. And you're putting your life on the line. And not only that, but like if and when you get married, you know, you're away for like eight, nine months a year. You know, it's really hard on your family. And it's like all the stress and possible injury and death and stuff like that. I mean, you got to get paid. I mean, they're just not going to do it because it's like, oh, it's fun. It's, I mean, I think there's a bit of sense of adventure and duty and honor and country. But I think you got to get paid. You have to get paid to be a soldier, yeah. Yeah. But I'm talking about dying. But, I mean, there's a risk of dying here, there, right? Yeah, but there's always a risk. And everybody, well, I mean, like, and risk analysis and whatever is, is a huge branch of economics. Sure. But everybody's sort of always betting on... Well, I mean, like, it's so, not. so the risk of dying as a soldier, especially in the last decade, let's put it at some number, 10%, 5%, 1%, mm-hmm. right? So that money, and let's say you get paid, I don't know how much the soldier makes. Let's say just an enlisted man, 50,000, 50,000, yeah. right? So let's say 50,000 for 5%, right? So maybe it's 50,000 times 20 to make up the 100%, and that's how much your life is worth, right? Like, how much would you need to get paid if, you're, if the risk of dying was 10%? Yeah, but I think, I mean, it's not a straight curve like that, right? Yeah, maybe. Like, there can't be, because 50,000 <clears> times 20 is what, uh, a million? So, that would be saying, like, hey, soldier, here's a million dollars. We're going to kill you now. I mean, that's, no. that's what you're saying. But, but there's not a, like, at some point, that curve goes to a limit where it goes to infinity or something like that. Well, I think the difference between the soldier and like the person, again, maybe we should restate this this uh, this contract between the person who's getting money for dying. Mm-hmm. I I will let you shoot me, and then you will give me money, or or like how does it work? It's or an like, immediate exchange. So a <laughs> million dollars in your hand and bang, you're dead. If I pay you to kill me, or like I want to die, or like you want my life for some, you need a body. Whatever, you need a like, like what I'm, what, like the the context is sort of ir- irrelevant. Well, I think it matters, right? Because like the thing is, if that person believes that that money is going to go somewhere that he puts value in, like for his family, for his parents, for his child, then he'll kill himself. You know, depending on that whether he feels. It. But if obviously, like you say, if you have no relatives, no anybody, and you just have a million dollars, it's going to do you zero good when you're dead, mm-hmm. right? But if if your child is you know sick or like you know you're you know, right, like, right, and there are other things that basically you're 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 making an exchange for. Yeah, yeah. But what I like, what it comes down to though for me is that there is sort of a hole in that argument because at some point there are people who have nothing that they would exchange sort of the last line for, you know. Whatever it could be. Say that part again. So they have nothing to exchange. Not nothing to exchange. Nothing that they would exchange. Meaning, like, and and what I think the easiest one to to think about is, is your life. And so somebody who has no connections and no you know interest in in wherever that money might go or whatever. There is no quantifiable value because they, they would exchange but they don't their value life. their lives then. I mean I think like those people I mean they don't they don't have anything to live for uh, no I mean they're living for for life itself right I guess you could say that but if they have nobody that they would want to give any money to when they when they were gone 
I mean, it's not to say that life is only by made of the people. They're right? like maybe they are like one hundred percent selfish. Maybe one hundred percent selfish maybe. person. That, maybe I mean, and maybe maybe we're just getting off into the realm of economist speculation just on the other side of it because there's nobody who maybe is a hundred percent selfish. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. Interesting, interesting yeah. idea. Let's move on. But it, I think it's actually kind of related to your idea. So, I mean, yeah, so moving on segue. to like a, a quasi-economic topic. This is not something I necessarily understand fully, but like zero-sum, the idea of zero-sum means that like if you play a game and it's a zero-sum game, that's I think the expression mm -hmm. means that one of us has to lose. We can't both win. So, and they use it a lot for it seems like economic stuff right because it's like oh if you're a winner then i'm a loser like i can't sell you something without right. getting ripped off or, or you could have a draw you could have a draw right okay so instead of having a draw it's kind of like well no we can't just draw right. have, i have to win or if like you start with a pot that's value is 100 right. one person gets 100 one person gets zero or some split of that but no way that the the total value afterwards is more than 100 or less right. than 100. right so I guess the, the question I have, and this is kind of like an abstract question, but is like, is life an, a zero-sum game? And I, I was thinking more like, you know, especially when you relate like the continents and stuff like that, you know, and like there's been a lot of guilt and stuff made these days of like how the Western world is sort of abusing the Eastern world or the, I don't know what you would call it, but the developing world mm -hmm. for resources, for labor, for land, for disposal, for pollution, for all this stuff, right? It's like we in the, in the United States live a very, actually pretty posh life, you know? Um, and it might be completely or partially at the expense of a lot of other people in developing nations because they are, you know, financing us with their labor, with their with their lifestyles, with their standards of living, with their air quality or lack thereof, their water quality lack thereof. Are we winning because they're losing? Mm. Well, I think that a lot of people would argue with that and say, we're not winning because they're losing. We're winning because uh, of past people's labor here and because of resources in general that were not exploited before. So like you have oil in the land, right? Right. Underground. You bring that up and you use it and basically you can create wealth that wasn't accessed before. The counter to that is, well, anytime you use a resource like that, you take it away from the general pool. Yeah, you know? not only that, but it's like, um, you know, we're creating all these byproducts of like petroleum, right. for example, and right. we have to throw that away. And if we had to throw that away in our own backyards, we might do something about it. But since we don't, somebody's like losing, right? And well, I mean, I, the vast majority of, of I would say, non-atmospheric pollution that we've done, I think, has probably been disposed of, you know, within a short distance of the United States. Whether it means we dig a big hole somewhere and dump it in Nevada or or whatever it's like most of sort of the the non-atmospheric waste that we create probably is is more domestic than international maybe but i mean like what about sure i mean i guess i wasn't really necessarily pitting like uh the one world versus the old okay so know, this was, is more of a hypothetical yeah just i mean just generally people in general like yeah. i mean and but i mean i 
I was picking an example of, for example, like labor and mining and things like that. I mean, a lot of the like raw materials that we get nowadays and a lot of the things mm-hmm. are coming from other countries. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and that's not this. And I don't know where things are disposed of, but I mean, I could see very near the future where we we're starting to ship stuff away and ship it to other countries also and have them dispose of it. I mean, I don't, it might be that we dispose of it here, but it might be that we don't. No, I mean, and well, a lot of things do get disposed of. I mean, in or in Bangladesh, have you heard about the shipyards, the yeah. shipbreaking yeah. yards and yeah. stuff like that, yeah. and all these toxic things that happen right. there? Right, right. So, that, so yes, yeah, I guess I was thinking that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. That, I mean, that is that is true. Um, but, like, for example, like, I have an iPhone, you know, and you, I don't know if you've heard about, like I said, these, these factories in China right. where, like, these people are working in, like, pretty grueling conditions, you know, and there's, like, a really high rate of suicides and stuff like that. I mean, who knows? Where that's coming from, there's so many factors at play and what's the life worth, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. But, <clears throat> you know, am I reaping the benefits of, like, should this iPhone be $100 more than it really should, than it is now, so that these guys can have livable conditions and have not have to work so many hours a day, you know? And, like, am I benefiting from them basically living, you know, pretty terrible lives? And is that, does that play in a zero sum? Yeah, I mean, well, I would say, like, you're, the most basic sort of way of looking at the zero-sum question is uh, the conservation of matter and energy. Okay. You know, like, like, take it back to physics and say matter is neither created nor destroyed. Or it, when you get to sort of the nuclear age, it's like, well, you can destroy it, but it becomes energy. And energy in a sun or something could become matter. Okay. You know, but you have... A fixed quantity yeah. of the universe. You know, I mean, that's that's true. Just, you know. I mean, so that makes sense, right? So in that sense, the answer is simply yes. But part of me wonders: Does it? I mean, is that really? I mean, maybe that's how it actually plays out in practice. But does it have to be that way? Right? I mean, like for example, if you look at a family or like you know a friend group, right? Or like there's people who are lifted up by their communities, by their yeah. friend groups, you know, all that yeah. stuff. And it's like, well, you know, if you try to expand that to sort of a macro scale and make the world, you know, communist or whatever it is, you know, whatever you want to call it, where we all kind of are in it together, socialist, sort of like, you know, I'm going to help your neighbor up, help your friends up, help your family up, help whatever up, so that we can all sort of like achieve our, our best. Mm-hmm. Is that sort of like a foolish notion? Or is that well, something I mean, that, is there, is that like... Does that sort of make it not zero-sum, even if that happens on a small scale? Well, I, I guess some people would argue that uh, that it depends on what you're talking about in terms of your best, but in terms of like your economic potential, that would play into the zero-sum thing because if I am, say I want, you know, I have a certain potential to achieve uh, a certain amount of money if I'm all about doing it for myself. Right. But if I help other people, then maybe that potential that I have gets lowered. Yeah, but I, I guess, you know, maybe it's just part of the, like, the uh, rah-rah, you know, like, group think that I'm part of. But it's like, part of me thinks that, like, maybe you would be, you would reach 90% of your potential, but the people around you would, would be elevated by so much more just by you, you losing 10%. You know, and that would kind of almost feed back into you, and then you would gain that ten percent, though you would gain it in other other ways. Yeah, well, and and that's where it becomes really difficult to sort of going back to these economic questions, like 
how do you quantify these non-quantitative right. uh, and, goods? And part of know? me wants to know, like, is it, could it be worse than zero-sum? If we were all so selfish, could it actually be worse? Well, we could, I mean, I, on, on like sort of a human social level, we could make ourselves extinct. Exactly. And which is, is totally possible, but in that sort of macro conservation of matter and energy way, you know, the world would still exist. The world will go on without well, us. Well, yeah. I mean, right? I, guess, I guess when I say is the world zero sum, I mean is humankind, is the human existence, the human experience zero sum? Um, then I would say no, because it all depends on what we know and what we, you know, how we understand the universe. So if we know more, like we're all like, say we're all kind of like cavemen, yeah. you know, and we're all just sort of hunting and gathering and, and whatever. And, and then somebody discovers, you know, how to make fire. Right. And he starts using dead wood that nobody was ever using before for anything to make fire and all of a sudden the world is better for lots of people maybe not everybody because he doesn't share the secret of fire with everybody but, but maybe he uses it to burn down villages maybe he does that as well but it it does put a potential for plus or minus yeah in within this human social yeah. sphere so I, I guess maybe the question is like in i guess there's three questions maybe one is in practice is life zero sum Two is like, ideally, is it zero sum? Like, could you achieve better? Mm -hmm. And at its worst, is it zero sum? As in, like, could we just cause ourselves to go extinct? I mean, the, the obvious answer to that one is yes, we could kill ourselves off. We got enough bombs to blow up the planet <sighs> several times? times over. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy. But, I mean, I guess, like, part of me wants to think that, you know, there is this potential to make life better for other people yeah you know and how do we do that ah you should go into politics <laughs> <laughs> i think i mean like i think there definitely is a potential within this human sphere to create better lives for people because it and seems so, like left to its own devices or at least left to not looking it's like zero sum. It kind of seems like that, you know. I mean, maybe, well, I don't understand what you mean by left. Like, if you looking. just kind of do what you want to do, not necessarily go out and like Hitler style, like kill a bunch of people, mm -hmm. but just like you know, I want an iPhone, great, you know, or like I want to drive somewhere, great, you know. You don't really think about right the ecology of yeah, things. Yeah, and, and ecology is the latest way of thinking about people, right? But like thinking about the people's feelings, thinking about your children, thinking right. about your neighbors. Well, whatever, ecology right? just means the interconnection between okay. like, well, organisms then, in and that and their sense. Then yes, yeah, yeah but, but you don't kind of like give consideration active consideration right it's not just like i don't care if somebody's informed mm. me i don't care it's like no i just you know, I, just, I just don't care you know I just, i'm whatever about it you know? mm. whereas like maybe if you cared more you know and, and it's funny because like the more you care sometimes you kind of like give yourself a head head case like with all the guilt <laughs> that you feel right but i mean you you care a little more and we all care a little more and we all kind of like work together to make things better could we actually solve this, not solve this, but at least give ourselves more advantage and make it less zero sum and actually like earn some interest. For give, it, give a positive. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that like, I would say that the, at least in, 
in the broad brushstroke American culture, right. the belief is that it's not a zero sum game, and and we get positive yeah. as as time goes on, net positive. No, for sure. I you think know? that's and definitely. And I think that the... that I mean, like that's that's part of my belief system as well. But I I understand it in the context of this is all sort of within the human social socioeconomic sphere. Right, and it's—I mean—that—that's part of the nar- American narrative, I suppose. But like, the problem is, like, if you take a step back and look globally, right? There's only so much energy coming into this planet from the sun, and that energy is zero sum. The amount of solar radiation coming in bounces back, and and the amount of you know carbon that's underground, if we put it up into the atmosphere that's the exact same amount of carbon like there's no you know there's no plus or minus there right um but but i do believe that sort of in terms of greater human good we can we can make our systems of uh understanding and using resources and that sort of thing more efficient and better for everybody at large so you don't have just a bunch of people living in caves, you know, without <laughs> fire and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. What's well, where well, we might end up, but hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's there's equally the possibility that we create this uh, radiation wasteland. Ice yeah. nine, right? <laughs> yeah, ice nine. That was a that was a scary book to read. Which one was that? Uh, Cat's Cradle. Cat's Cradle. Kurt Vonnegut. Everybody read a Vonnegut book when you're somewhere between the ages of 15 and 25. I just write down a number of how much your life is worth before you read the book. <laughs> <laughs> and then see how that number changes. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if we solved anything today, but I think we had a, a discussion. Everybody write in with your theories on these issues. Yeah, you have or three, other op- issues. Three, op- three options, really. Yes, yeah. no, or maybe. Yeah. Very or, simple. Or yes, in some circumstances, no, in others. Um, anyway, irregular search for truth at gmail.com. My name's Scott. And I'm Sachin. Take care. Bye. Ein Stup. Tres años. Three men sit sitting. Sitting on a saucy sofa. Tres amigos.